All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into a January 17th edition of the Daily Face Off Show. Tyler Urumchuk and Frank Saravalli with you. Or maybe we should just call it Two Guys in Quarter Zips talking about <laughs> hockey. Frank, did you survive a chilly weekend out in Philly? I did. How about them Cowboys? I mean, seriously, I know it feels wrong to gloat with my team losing in spectacular fashion against Tom Brady and the Bucks, But man, that loss was so on brand for Dallas. Yeah, it was great. And uh, how about them Buffalo Bills? You can't bring up football and not expect me to gloat a little about the Buffalo Bills, Frankie, and their big win over the Patriots. It was I mean, a wild weekend in the... I was just going to say, like, you think about all those front running fans out there, the Cowboys lost, the Lakers aren't very good. Well, it's only a couple months until the Yankee season starts. So that's good. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Busy weekend in the NFL, but it was also a busy weekend in the NHL. So let's throw up two minutes and 30 seconds on the clock and dig into some of the biggest stories from around the league, starting with the lone game on the schedule yesterday. Frank, it saw the Vancouver Canucks taking down the Washington Capitals and the win Obviously big for the Canucks, who are on a bit of a tough road trip, having lost all three games on the trip. They end it with a victory, and they end it with Elias Pettersson picking up a couple of goals. Let's start with the team in general, though. They got so hot when Bruce Boudreaux came in. Nine straight games with at least a .8-0-1 in that stretch. Then they kind of sputtered. Do you think this Canucks team, you know, was the tough road trip just that, only a tough road trip? Or, or is this a team that you think can bounce back from that and get into the playoff hunt in the Pacific division. 
Well, it's actually not over yet. They have one more game against Nashville, and that kind of yeah. you know makes it really interesting in the sense that this was a in some ways a season defining road trip. I mean, you get off to the start that they did under Bruce Boudreaux, and it's like, okay, well now let's see how we go out and stack up against some of the very best in the NHL, Florida, Tampa, and Carolina. It's sort of been the triangle of death for Canadian teams with playoff hopes. You saw the Calgary Flames get shredded on that same road trip, and it started the same way for the Canucks outscored 13 to five in those three losses. And you're thinking, okay, this team isn't anywhere near where it needs to be. And I know that Jim Rutherford had told other general managers around the league, let's get through this road trip. And then we can engage in some conversation about what we'd like to do. Now, the funny part about that is all of a sudden, if you end off this trip with a win against the Preds who have been near the top in the Western conference in terms of points, not points percentage, well, then all of a sudden going two and three, does that put a bit of a different spin on it? I think, Tyler, at the end of the day, the math is still the math. You need 94 points to get in. That's the current pace for the second wild card spot, meaning that the Canucks would need to go something like 647 points percentage the rest of the way. What does that mean in, in real terms? That means they need to go something like 25, 12, and 7 to get there over their last number of games and they're nine, four and one since Bruce Boudreaux took over now. So they need to be sort of right at that same nine, four and one pace the rest of the way. And it feels like a lot to ask given um, really the climb that this team needs to take on. So I think a lot of teams saw these three losses out East for Vancouver and they're saying, well, maybe that means we can get JT Miller now. Interesting. And there's certainly a team to keep an eye on in the West in terms of not just the playoff picture, but the trade deadline picture as well. The other side of that game yesterday saw the Washington Capitals lose once again. And this is a Capitals team that's really hit a bit of a rough patch here over the last little while, Frank. They're now just 4-4-2 four, four and two in their last 10. They're fourth in the Metro and actually eighth in the Eastern Conference when you sort by points percentage. This is a team that's now in that last playoff spot. And we've talked a lot about how you know, the last playoff spot in the East is actually a pretty safe spot to be. But I don't think that's exactly where the Caps were envisioning themselves when you go back kind of a month and a half and it was okay, Backstrom's coming back. It was supposed to spark them a little bit. And it's almost done the exact opposite. Yeah, I think the stretch actually exceeds past that 4-4-2 four, four, and two run. I think really you look at the Caps schedule since November 30th, they're 7, 6, and 4. And I think there's three ways to look at sort of the run that they've been on. The optimist would say is exactly what you did is they're in a really solid playoff spot. Don't need to worry. These are the dog days of the season. The pessimist would say, well, that's just a 529 points percentage run. We've slid down to the fourth spot in the Metro, eighth spot in the conference. And although our playoff spot is likely safe, I mean, they can continue at this run for the rest of the season and still finish with 97 points. That's how many points they've banked. And Alex Ovechkin is in a swoon. And of course, he's been a little bit banged up. But I think the realist would probably take a look at this graphic here and say, when you look at a seven, six, and four run, these are the seven wins. And yes, you've got a win against the Preds who have been near the top in the West. The Jets are clawing for a playoff spot. The Ducks have been in one almost the entire season. But I'm looking at more their measuring stick games and losses. You size up the playoff teams that they faced, Florida, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Minnesota, and Boston, all losses. They got a point in one of those games. And so 
you know, you look at the caps and you say, well, which team are we seeing? Are we seeing the team from the first month and a half of the season or from the last month and a half? And, you know, which one of these teams will stand up when it comes to playoff time? And again, this goes back to something I brought up on Friday as well when we were talking about the East is Washington's a team I'm going to be fascinated to watch leading up to the deadline. Like when you have a team who looked so good for so long and now they're falling off a little bit and you're in the Eastern Conference where it's pretty apparent who the eight sellers and or who the sellers and the buyers are. I'll be really interested to see what they can do leading up to the deadline as well, Frank. Yeah, and and I think there's been some surprise with the Caps. Like you never really kind of have a sense of where Brian McClellan is going in that, you know, you think back to the Mantha trade and you're like, wow, where did that one come from? That was not necessarily your typical deadline deal. So it gives you an idea that the Caps aren't necessarily looking just short term in terms of where they're heading. Although you'd think that they'd want to take advantage of every opportunity, especially when Alex Ovechkin is putting together a season like he is. Let's move on here and go back out to the Western Conference, where just when you think the Oilers have maybe hit rock bottom on their losing streak, they find another layer and get a little bit deeper. They play great through 40 minutes against the Ottawa Senators. They're up 3-1, and then they blow it, and they lose 6-4. There are just a handful of reasons why this team hasn't been able to do much of anything since the start of December, Frank. Two wins since December 1. It's ugly. There's a lot of reasons why. They're now tied for 10th in the West in points percentage firmly outside of the playoffs or on the outside of the playoff picture. What do you make of what's going on in Edmonton here? I mean, I I send out a tweet asking if anyone has questions for the show, and it's just Oilers fans the entire way down asking if changes are coming. But it doesn't sound like changes are coming. Yeah, I don't think changes are coming, at least not at this very moment. Um, I do think that the Edmonton Oilers front office and their brass uh, is meeting at the moment. Their typical scouting meetings, some teams have already wrapped theirs up. I know that the Oilers group went down to California. That's where they are now. Everyone's saying, hey, is there going to be a press conference today? Is Dave Tippett getting fired? I I think, uh, and we discussed this in depth on our DFO Rundown podcast, episode 97, that was released today with Jason Greger. We went through all of the different reasons why the Oilers are where they are. I look back to Saturday and I say, the cardinal sin of of Saturday's game is you enter the third period with a three to one lead on a night in which all we've talked about is what are the Oilers getting from their depth. It's been depth and goaltending. You have a night where your second, third, and fourth line score, and McDavid and Drysaitel are largely held off the score sheet. You're up against the 30th place team in the league and you don't find a way to get the two points. So, um, so many different layers to it. A lot of people will point towards the mistakes that Skinner made. Of course, they didn't help, but you know, I certainly don't pin, uh, that loss on Skinner. And, and then moving forward, like they, there's gotta be some answer here that comes from the group. I think everyone's looking for some external factor. We know that that's not a typical play in Ken Holland's playbook, not to say that he won't make it eventually. I think at a certain point you have no choice. I don't think they're there yet, and he stands by the words that he had for last week's press conference, but there's no savior that's coming in in a trade that's going to help this team in such a significant way. I don't see it out there, given the Oilers' cap space limitations, given their lack of tradable assets, given what Ken Holland said last week about not trading uh, prospects or first-round picks. Like I, I just don't see uh, some cavalry coming to help the Oilers, and I think this is the point where you put it on the group and say, you need to find a way out of this. And, and if you want to be optimistic, not that Oilers fans are feeling optimistic at all right now, their last their losses so far this month have largely been close. You had overtime against New Jersey, overtime against the Islanders, 
take out the empty netter, it's a one-goal loss to Toronto. And then you had, again, take out the empty netter, it's a one-goal loss to Ottawa. And in all those losses, there's three or four things going wrong for them in the game. If they shore up one or two areas, I, I do think the Oilers could start to rattle off wins. Their schedule gets tough, though. And more to your point, like the playoffs are right there within grasp. It's not like they're floating so far out of it that they're in big trouble and can't make up the ground. It takes a three-game winning streak to really get back in it. So uh, I don't think they're as bad as they've shown over the last six weeks. They're probably not as good as they showed over the first uh, two months of the season. So again, let's see where this team shakes out in the next couple of weeks. They get Florida next, and we'll be chatting with George Richards right away about just how dangerous that team in Florida is looking. But our fourth topic today, Frank, Chris Pronger will see his jersey go to the rafters in St. Louis, just the eighth jersey to be retired in Blues franchise history. Spent nine seasons in St. Louis playing just under 600 regular season games with the team. Won a Norris and a Hart in the 99-2000 season. An absolutely legendary member of this organization is going to have his night in St. Louis. Yeah, really exciting and also just kind of goes back to how special that season was in 99-2000. The last Hart Trophy winner as a defenseman since Bobby Orr in 1972. There hasn't been one since. Uh, Sort of raises the question in my mind as to whether we need to consider defensemen a bit more for the Hart Trophy. I I wonder if someone like a Kale McCarr, for instance, could enter into that conversation at some point further on in his career. But I think a lot of people and voters look at it and they say, well, hey, wait a second. Uh, You know, defensemen already have their award in terms of the Norris Trophy. Um, It's still what a special, special player and my chance to spend a lot of time around him with the Philadelphia Flyers. You see the immediate impact that he had when he went elsewhere. You know, he goes to Edmonton and they go to the Stanley Cup final in their first year. The next year he goes to Anaheim, Stanley Cup final and win it in his first year there. Then he comes to Philly, 2009-10, takes them to the Stanley Cup final as well. Such a smart, smart player. And also just, you know, the things that he would drop along the way, the little catchphrases, uh, so sharp with his tongue, uh, sharp with his shoulder or elbow, uh, potentially every now and again, a skate uh, if you got him along the boards and just so many funny things to say. Uh, you know, I can just think of all the little lines that would pop up in, in scrums and press conferences. You know, what are you day to day with hurt feelings or, you know, so many different things that he would say. One time we were in uh, Newark, New Jersey, the Flyers were playing the Devils and he like rattled off the name of of the mayor of, of Newark. Like at some point, oh, you're going to have to ask the mayor, Cory Booker. Like it was like, what NHL player knows the mayor of the city? <laughs> so smart and so like you could see that intelligence happen on the ice. I read a story today from Jeremy Rutherford in The Athletic, and one of his defense partners uh, from the Blues was quoted as saying, like, he would make you the pass, and then he'd actually be yelling to you who was open because he knew where the puck was heading before uh, you could even get your head up to look. So he would be able to help you on the ice uh, in real time, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, and you mentioned all those teams he would go on those runs with. This wasn't a guy who was just riding shotgun on playoff runs. He came in and was often the driving force behind those runs. I think back to the one in 06 with Edmonton, where he was setting records for production by a defenseman and often playing, you know, half the game or more for those for that Oilers team. So uh, he gets his night in St. Louis. Let's move on now. It's time for another edition of All 32 as we welcome in George Richards from Florida Hockey Now.
That's right. Please welcome friend of the show, George Richards, who covers the Panthers and has covered the Panthers for a long, long time now at Florida Hockey Now. George, great to have you. Uh, Got to ask you and start with this. Where the heck did all these goals come from since January 1st, averaging six goals a game, your Florida Panthers? Yeah, I mean, coming out of the Christmas break, the Florida Panthers and, and good. Hello, Frankie. Good to see you. Um, Panthers have just been unbelievable. I mean, um, 54 goals in their past nine games. I mean, they're they're scoring everywhere. They're scoring a, you know, a lot at home, obviously. Um, you know, Florida's home record is is, is just unbelievable. But, uh, you know, you know, they, they were able to score a bunch on the road as well. So we'll see what happens. They've got a big road trip coming up. But uh, they're rolling four lines right now. Their defense is chipping in. They've got terrific offensive defensemen, as you know, with Uyghur and, and Ekblad, of course, and, Mon- and, and Brandon Montour. Everybody right now for the Florida Panthers is bringing it. George, everyone loves talking about goals because offense is sexy. But between the pipes, Sergei Bobrovsky has been tremendous this season as well. Last season, he had a 291 goals against average and a 906 save percentage. Both those numbers have taken a big jump this year up to 247 and 921. Better than his career average as well. I guess the two-parter here, how surprised are you to see this bounce back from Bobrovsky? And just how important has he been to this Panthers team? Well, he's been extremely important, I think. You know, you look at Sergey, uh, when Florida signed him to that huge deal, they felt that he was the missing piece. They felt that a strong A-list goalie was, was the diff, would be the difference in Florida in these past two seasons. We've noticed, you know, this team's okay without the goalie, but they do need, they knew need someone like Bobrovsky, and he's been terrific. Now, listen, the Florida Panthers have been spotting him big leads. That's definitely helped. But uh, Sergey looks bigger in net. He looks like, I, I, I said this uh, in the first month of the season. For the first time since his Philadelphia days when he was just a rookie there, um, he's got competition, right? I mean, Spencer Knight is the future goalie here of the Florida Panthers. And Sergey Bobrovsky came into training camp, started his season like a guy who wasn't going to give up his job. Uh, he wanted to keep his job. He wanted everybody to know that he's the guy. And uh, he's done that this season. Uh, there's no question who the starting goalie here in Florida is. It's Sergei Bobrovsky. And I think if you would have asked that question in September, you might have gotten the, well, Florida could go 1A, 1B. It could be night. It's Bob. Sergei Bobrovsky's the starting here, starter here in Florida, and he's been really, really good. So, George, that brings us to what does this team do towards the deadline? Where are they angling? Um, they've got they don't have their first round pick this year. That's certainly going to uh, hamper a lot of what they'd like to do, I would think, unless they're willing to trade uh, the following years as well. And so when I look at some of the tradable assets that this team might have to maybe go out and, ch- and try and grab a defenseman to, to bolster that blue line a bit, who are some of the pieces that you could see go and Maybe, you know, to, to tap into what you were just saying about Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, is there any chance that we could even see like a Spencer Knight? Could he be a trade chip given that there's still four more years on Bobrovsky's contract? Is that something that the Panthers might entertain? I would be surprised if Spencer Knight is involved in any kind of trade things. The Panthers are very happy um, with his development and what they've got um, from him. And, and listen, you know, the, the, the Bob contract is what it is, but, uh, um, 
you know, you've still got a young goalie. As good as Spencer Knight was last year, he's 20 years old, still needs to develop. So let's just work on that. The Panthers, one thing they've got is that they do have some good young players. They don't have, like you said, they don't have their first round pick this year, nor their second round pick because that went to Calgary. Um, so the Panthers are going to have to get a little creative. Um, they don't have, they have some players that maybe they'd be able to move. I think Florida's going to look defense. Um, they're going to try and get a, get one of those A-list uh, defensemen to pair up with uh, either Aaron Eckblad or or, or uh, uh, Mackenzie Weger. Maybe the Panthers would split those two up if in the right situation. Um, they've got, you know, Grigori Denisenko down on the farm. Uh, they've got Owen Tippett, who right now is in Charlotte, but has been playing at the NHL level the past two seasons. Um, so they've got some pieces. They've got expiring contracts in Frank Vetrano, Nolachari that maybe could make some money work going the other way. Um, we'll just have to wait and see what Florida can do, but you know that Bill Zito is not afraid to deal Bill Zito since he's gotten here in Florida uh, two weeks into his tenure he trades Mike Matheson to Pittsburgh for uh, Patrick Hornquist so um, you know he's he's completely revamped this this uh, lineup this organization and I do feel that he'll continue to do so at the trade deadline this year yeah, they're going to be a fascinating team to watch. George, probably easily the best team that you've covered in your days in yeah. South Florida. Uh, George, we love the work you do. You can follow him at George Richards on Twitter and please subscribe to his work, FloridaHockeyNow.com. George, thanks so much for joining us. This has been another edition of the All 32. Talking about contenders, talking about potential trade fits around the league. That ties in nicely to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag AskDFO. Send them in. John Klingberg. Maybe some news over the weekend. Some, some reports that things could be heating up on that front, Frank. Where do you think the best fit is for John Klingberg around the league? Man, would he look good in Florida? Just the team yeah. we were just talking about. I mean, you get a chance to plug him into, into that back end. Uh, and they have or would likely have the ability when you look at their cap picture, when you look at some of the names that they could move out, the ability to keep him and make it not just a rental. So I think he would certainly be interesting there. Um, you know, I look at some of the other teams that are contenders, like where else could you wedge him in? Uh, with that type of cap hit for this season, especially if Dallas is willing to retain, you know, you could get creative in, in just about any market in terms of making that cap hit work. Uh, I think a team like Colorado is going to be linked to so many different players. Um, you know, you name the team, John Klingberg can make any team better. Uh, you know, what about the Calgary Flames? Like, I, I just think there's so many different options uh, in terms of the John Klingberg sweepstakes. Carolina could be a fit. Um, he's a fit anywhere because he's that good. Yeah, for me, the one team that maybe they're a little off the radar, but what about the Nashville Predators? It's always been an organization that has built these strong, strong defenses, often the strength of the team. They got Yossi and Ekholm over on the left side, and they got some cap space, one of those teams that could certainly make it work. They have their first and second rounders for each of the next two years. I mean, with Saros playing as well he, as he is, I wonder if Nashville maybe looks at something like that and goes, ah, you know, we got we got some future assets to dangle. Maybe Klingberg could be a piece that really bulks up their blue line because their right side is lacking a little. Yeah, my only thing with Nashville is like if you were to then sign Klingberg, it's just another really long-term contract that you're piling into the mix in terms of future commitments. 
I don't know. I think you have to think big picture. You have to think where this team yeah. is at at the moment. And they've been way more competitive and hungry than I think a lot of people would have imagined heading into the season. Does David Poyle reward that group? We'll see. All right, let's get into our daily bet segment, courtesy of PointsBet, which, by the way, Frank, they got a new video up right now on their Twitter and Instagram at PointsBet Canada with the Trailer Park Boys, Paul Coffey and Mike Vernon. It's hilarious. Go check it out. Um, classic Trailer Park stuff, Trailer Park Boys stuff with their new partnership with PointsBet. Uh, let's jump into it today. Got a lot of afternoon hockey, and I'm actually making my first bet on the game that starts in just over half an hour here. Detroit taking on Buffalo for the second time in as many days. And this line is shifting very hard towards the Detroit Red Wings. When I started doing my research this morning, they were minus 130 on the money line. They're now, as you can see, all the way up to minus 150, which means I'm taking them to win this game in regulation, actually changing up my approach a little bit. The Wings beat them for nothing on Saturday, and I have no reason to think they can't do it again. Buffalo only has one win this month. They, they're going with Aaron Dell once again between the pipes, and he's got a 3.89 goals against average. I want to make sure Alex Nedeljkovic is starting once again in this matchup because that would really make me love this play. But you know what? Regardless of the starting goalie, I'm taking Detroit in regulation at even money this afternoon against the Buffalo Sabres. And for my player prop, I'm sticking with this matchup. I'm rolling with the wings, Frank. And I like Dylan Larkin to pick up an assist. He had two in the game the other day against the Sabres. He only has six in his last 10, so not exactly an assist machine. But that plus 125 payout in a matchup, I think they should win and score a lot of goals. And Larkin had a couple helpers in the game on Saturday. I like Larkin at plus 125 to grab an assist. I like Detroit in regulation at even money. And that's what I got for today, Frank. Yeah, we were just talking over the weekend about some of the future bets that we had looked at at the beginning of the season. The Sabres, with the regulation losses that have been piling up, still in the mix for the under 67 points this year, which is kind of incredible given the start yeah. uh, to the season that they had this year under Don Granato. Tyler, that brings us to my favorite segment, Garbage Time. What's caught your attention? What's grabbed your eye from around the league? I cede the floor to you. Yeah, well, obviously today, a lot of afternoon hockey because it is MLK Day down in the U.S. And Scott Burnside has a great story up at Daily Faceoff right now on the Carnegie Initiative named after Herb Carnegie. It's going to be a two day event in Boston with really a lot of the movers and shakers involved in this thing. It's going to be an event to discuss racism and inclusivity in the sport and in hockey. I believe Gary Bettman's going to be involved as well. Uh, it's, it's really important. And I think on a day like today, when you're sitting down and enjoying a ton of afternoon sports, NBA, NHL, it's important to reflect a little bit on why we're getting these games in the afternoon. And that's because it is a day to celebrate Martin Luther King Frank. So I know it's uh, it's big down in the U.S., obviously not a holiday up here in Canada, but that doesn't mean you can't take a look a little bit at the way the game is and the Carnegie uh, initiative is going to do exactly that. Yeah, and all the work that still needs to be done. You know, I think yeah. you look at the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk. We need to see more action. And I think we're all in the process of trying to spur on that change. Um, you know, the one kind of thing that sticks out to me, the Carnegie Initiative wraps up with the Willie O'Ree jersey retirement tomorrow night in Boston. And we'll talk more about Willie O'Ree tomorrow on tomorrow's show. But it's just such a shame. Willie O'Ree won't be able to make it to Boston for the ceremony. COVID-19 and, and health concerns, uh, they already postponed it one year. So they're going to move ahead with the ceremony and they're finding a way to have him join virtually. It just feels like not the same, not having him in the building at TD Garden tomorrow night. So uh, certainly our thoughts with Willie and uh, Willie O'Ree and his family and all the fine work that he's done uh, for the NHL and the game as a whole over his last 50 plus years, 60 plus years in the game. 
Frank, you enjoy the day of hockey with all the marquee matchups like Arizona, Montreal, <laughs> Chicago, Seattle, and Buffalo, Detroit. That's going to do it for another Daily Faceoff show. Frank will be back tomorrow. Have a good one. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.